And this week's episode of Studio Inter will be discussing the disappointing loss against Parma, the incredible win against Tottenham in the Champions League. We'll be previewing Sampdoria, this week's Moratti, Frog and Moji, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. <laughs> Torna Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione il destro, violentissimo e lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti. La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter, l'Inter vince e Dillo, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, i più forti siamo noi. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. Um, so I'm your host, Nima Tavallo Iruzzari. Uh, we're back again. We're sorry about last week. Uh, certain things happened that uh, prevented us from doing it. But we're, um, we're back now and we'll be back now every week. Uh, and joining me uh, to discuss this, uh, this, this, this past week, an eventful week to say the least, is SempreInter.com's very own preview analyst, Mr. Mohamed Nassar, all the way from Dubai. How are you doing, Mo? <laughs> all right. I'm on top of the world. On top of the motherfucking world. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's awesome. Someone's really happy. And laughing there. Uh, and, and laughing in the background there, uh, making his uh, Sempre in, uh, Studio Inter uh, debut here on Sempre Inter is the host of the Alex Dono Show, on 560 WKAM in Florida, USA. Uh, it's his birthday as well, so a big welcome to Mr. Alex Dono. Thank you so much, Nima and Mo. It's great to talk to you as well. And, and what a birthday. I got my present a day early yesterday. That was such a great win. Indeed you did. Well, before we get into it, Alex, I thought uh, every, every guest who, who uh, makes his debut on the show, we ask them to introduce themselves a little bit. Um, how old are you? Where are you from? How did you become an Inter fan? Oh, I'm 34. Uh, I, I grew up, born and raised in Miami, Florida. Uh, my father, though, grew up in Milano. He came over uh, to America when he was in his mid to late 20s. So for me, uh, how I became an Inter fan, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of football fans in the United States will choose teams based on certain players they like or they'll choose teams based on who their friends root for. For me, I always like to say that I didn't choose Inter. Inter chose me. It was a family tradition. My grandfather, a uh, lifelong Inter fan, my father. And so for me, it's been uh, Nerazzurri my entire life. It, it was not a choice for me. So I, I've been through the great times. I've been through the bad times. And I've loved every second of it. Ah, oh, spoken like a true Interista. <laughs> right. Well, speaking, <laughs> of, uh, speak, uh, speaking of the good times and the bad times, well, nothing... Oh, and that introduction you gave of yourself as an Inter fan, I think that that describes 100% what the past seven days has been being an Inter fan. That horrible shit show, as we can call it now, against Parma, where Inter had the ball, created some chances, but were unable to score, to the amazing, to, to that unbelievable win yesterday in the dying seconds against Tottenham. But first things first, you know, it's, it's your birthday, so let's, let's talk about the positive stuff. Let's talk about the Tottenham game. Um, I mean, I don't know how you guys saw it, uh, uh, Alex. Uh, 
I, I was pretty happy with the first half. I thought it looked pretty okay. Then the second half came and Inter conceded that goal. And it started to look like that panicky again. Things weren't working, poor passing, lapse of concentration. And then from nowhere, Mauro Icardi does that. And then it's Pazza Inter and Inter snatched the win. I'm so keen to hear your thoughts, Alex, on this game. Yeah, I agree with uh, with that assessment. The first half, I, I just thought the pressure, the organization, the quality was, you know, for the most part, as good as, as good as we've seen Inter so far this season. I know that there have been some some terrible moments this year, but as far as some of the best moments, really the only thing that was lacking, which has been the story all season long, have, have been the finishes, have been the goals. But you certainly felt good going into the second half. The great feelings of being back in Champions League. The crowd in the San Siro really translated very well over television. You could tell the atmosphere was fantastic. And then Tottenham gets that second-half goal where you have a deflection. You had, you know, Handanovic maybe not in the best position, but I can't blame him for a goal that gets deflected in front of his net the way that that one did. And then you start to have those same feelings that you had when you conceded first against uh, against Sassuolo, when you conceded against Padma late, that you don't know if Inter would have really the quality and the finish to be able to come back and actually find an equalizer, let alone a game winner. So you some of those same feelings start to set in, some of that negativity. I mean, uh, maybe I can speak for both of you guys that I was already in my mind conceding a 1-0 loss at that point, thinking, okay, at least we're back in Champions League, at least we have you know, at least uh, five more matches to play before you call it a day in the group stage. And then you have that ball from Asamoah, who I thought played very well for the entire game. He was no Brozovic yesterday, but but he was excellent. And then to see that volley from Ikadidi, I mean, the, the feelings running through my head at that time, not only was that so important for him with the very slow start that he's had with the, the lack of health and the lack of fitness and the lack of goals and the lack of confidence. So I'm thinking that for Mauro, this can really be a breakthrough for him, and then you start to think about, okay, at least we're going to get a result in this game, we're going to get a draw, and then, of course, you have Matias Vecino striking again, who, you know, for as much as I complain about how he can disappear in that midfield and how he can really hang Brozovic out to dry when he's playing as his partner, you you cannot argue with the fact that the only reason, the main reason why Inter is in Champions League is because of that goal he scored against Lazio in what was the 87th minute, I believe, and then he gets a a goal in injury time to actually give into their first Champions League victory in so long. Uh, that, to me, I, I was celebrating so loudly, guys. I have a, a, a six-month-old who was taking a nap in my house at that time, my son, and I was celebrating so loudly that I woke him up from his nap, and I had no regrets <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> that must have been that must have made you really popular around the house with your, with your wife. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't too happy. She was actually all... Of taking a nap at that time, but somehow oh. I woke I woke him up and not her, thankfully. Oh well, you, you got thank God for small favors, right, um, Mo? What what I mean, building on what um, what uh, Alex said in the beginning there. I mean, you've been very critical of Handanovic uh, for him not moving. I've been kind of thinking you might have uh, you've been exaggerating that, but I got to say, yesterday I think that he should have saved that first goal. Sure, there was a deflection, but if you look at the way, if you look at the replay, he's there. You know, he should have it. That's why I was so surprised that that goal went in. Um, I've, I've I've always like been on the fence on him, with him defending him to you, but this time I'm on your side. I thought I thought he should have saved that. What are your thoughts? So yeah, I I don't. First of all, before. 
about like Handanovic and whatever. I just want to thank Alex for that summary of the game. I share his sentiments completely. You know, I woke up uh, three kids. It was later in the evening for us, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, it was you know, it, it was it was it was an emotional moment. It was a very very transcendental uh, moment, all, almost as, uh, as 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 sweet as the Lazio game. And uh, so that being said, you know, I like you like you've alluded to, uh, you know, who's listened to this podcast. I'm no I'm no Handanovic fanboy. I I respect him for uh, the shot, the decent shot stopper that he is. But I think that. Uh, he, he is prone to uh, a very repetitive and characteristic and idiosyncratic mistake. I think maybe he could have done better yesterday with, with that, that shot, but that's not what I don't like him for. What I don't like him for is more the Parma goal rather than, uh, than, than the goal that got okay. last night. That's that's uh, interesting. That's interesting. Well, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. But what, 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 talking about, I mean, before we go into uh, into the uh, Parma game, I want to stay on the Tottenham thing because I want to talk to you about that goal because I'm 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 completely opposite. I don't think you anyone in the world could have stopped that goal. But never mind. But like, don't don't you think that his his to me it seemed that his what what made me worried about him yesterday is the fact that it seems that his reflexes that he's getting on a bit and his reflexes aren't as fast as they used to be. Because as you said before, he used to be a brilliant shot stopper and he was good at his reflexes and he made these amazing saves. But yesterday it was as if he didn't react. His body didn't react quick enough. I I agree. The reaction was too late, but I think it's rather than it being a result of his reflexes going, it was just the bounce of the ball and the, the, the movement of the ball was so wonky. It was very difficult for him to judge at the last moment just how high. I, like, I mean, that's that's you know, like neither you or I can go into Samir's mind and uh, understand what was going on, on the spot. But the way I read it was the ball just moved so oddly because on on TV for for me at least I didn't know what the fuck was going on. As as the ball deflected off of whose leg was it Miranda's? Miranda, leg? Miranda, yeah, Miranda. Yeah. Off of Miranda's uh, training training leg. I, I, I thought, ah, yes, it's out. It's going over the bar. But then it dipped in the last moment. So I think spinning and moving in a really odd way. And maybe, like, physically he, he should have and would have been able to reach it. But, you know, shit luck. Yeah. Well, let's not but dwell that, on that. Um, yeah. No, I mean, like, but that doesn't mean to say that we didn't deserve to get a goal scored. I mean, the run of play in the 10 minutes preceding the goal had been... Tottenham on the ascendancy, they're slowly inching further and further towards our goal, and you know, Brozovic and Vecino slowly moving back, and you know, it, it was, it, it felt like the goal was, was, was coming sooner rather than later. Mm. Speaking of Brozovic, because this is something that I tweeted out, and I know that you will agree with me on this, Alex, I thought yesterday was, if not the best performance in an intershirt by Brozovic, Definitely top five because, in my opinion, he 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 was one of the question marks for me going into this game, being in, being in poor form as one of the World Cup players that hasn't really regained form. And him and Vecino, we always know they don't exactly work that well together. But yesterday, Brozovic made up for whatever Nainggolan lacked, and Vecino, and was also the the hub and heart. And, and brain of Inter's defensively and a point of reference 
uh, in terms of offense as well, as he was the one who created everything. Uh, I mean, everything that Inter created came began with a Brozovic pass. Um, was was this was I mean I mean his inconsistency has been an issue, but I mean looking looking forward, do you think that have we finally replaced uh, Thiago Motta, Alex? Yeah, I, I'm feeling that way. And again, the inconsistency has always been an issue with him. But if we're going by the performance against Tottenham, I, I felt throughout the you know 95 minutes of that game that Brozovic was virtually flawless. Uh, I was able to find, you know how they make those master cuts of every time Brozovic touched the ball in the game. I watched back one of those today, and it was just amazing to see every time he touched the football in rapid succession. Uh, he was extremely technically sound. He was seeing the entire field, uh, a virtually flawless performance. And the level of difficulty of some of the passes that he completed and some of the passes that really should have been completed, but uh, maybe his teammate didn't quite make the right run to get there in time, uh, was just a, a visionary performance. And, and again, I thought the most impressive part of it was, like you said, that, you know, Vecino, right up, uh, right up until he scored uh, the game winner, was not great on the pitch. And, and Nangolan was, he had, he had his moments, but he was not fantastic on the pitch either. But Brozovic was the engine that made Spalletti's train go yesterday. And, uh, and, you know, I, I appreciated the performance in the moment, but I appreciated it even more when I watched back every touch that he made. Uh, I thought that, Asamoah was also very good, uh, but I thought Brozovic was really a step above everyone on that pitch, Tottenham included. Yeah, I agree. Mo, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just I'm, I'm wondering whether uh, you know we talk about Brozovic's. We've always, I mean, it's been like we're talking about uh, Brozovic's ability versus his mentality, and uh, you know, it's it's no like. Maybe it's no coincidence that Paletti is the one is the one manager who's been able to show us the most of what Brozovic can offer. He he's he's been able to extract the most out of this guy, and it's almost always happened after uh, Brozovic has either been lambasted in public by Spalletti or you know almost on a plane plane off to Spain in the cab, you know. <laughs> then brought in back. January, yeah, in January, yeah, in January last year, you know, so. So is, is is he the kind of guy who only performs when under real pressure? You know, like some players are like, you know, are in there day in day out doing the grind, like Thiago Motta. You know, uh, regardless of the match he goes in. But maybe Brozovic is the kind of guy who's who really has to have you know game face on and be hyped up and you know. So I I, I don't know I don't know, but but clearly it's a mental thing with Brozovic. What a capability or ability. What a 2018 he's had. I mean, if you think about it, he started this, the January basically almost being pulled out of the taxi on its way to Malpensa Airport in Milan by Spalletti, who wanted Incredible. to keep. Incredible. Wanted, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And then the World Cup, where he formed that amazing midfield with Rakitic and Modric, which led them to the World Cup final. And then, and then, okay, I, you know, this season, to be honest, Inter as a whole have been pretty, pretty uh, low intensity and, and, and in midfield and not just him. 
But what, the way he turned up and the way he turned it up against Tottenham yesterday, exactly like you said, Alex, man of the match performance by a country mile for me as well. Uh, although, as you said, Asamoa close in second for me. Uh, but um, no, I, I was so impressed with the way he was, the way he, like a hub, how he was the hub of Inter defensively, how he was the hub of Inter going forward. Everything Inter created came first via a pass from from that guy, from his left foot and right foot. And exactly like you said, those the the the, the, the difficulty, the level of difficulty of those passes was truly um, was truly truly impressive. Um, but I mean, if we we got to talk about Vecino, um, Vecino. I mean, like you said, Alex, as everyone has said, we wouldn't even bring the Champions League if he didn't do score that header. I don't know. Are we talking? I mean, is is Matias Vecino slowly becoming like an inter, like a cult hero now? The guy who scores these important goals, and is that what he is? Uh, do you think uh, a cult hero, or do you see a potential that he could improve and actually become a mainstay fi- fi- fixture of this uh, Inter team that leads it to glory? What do you think, Alex? I, I think it's going to be the cult hero status, uh, and maybe he has a, a couple, few more big game-winning, important goals uh, to give the squad. But just to me, I, I've just not seen the consistency on the pitch to think that he's really going to up his level to of, of play. And listen, I, I certainly have to, after yesterday's performance or yesterday's goal, I have to take back some of the negative things I've said about him. But, you know, during the transfer window, I, I would uh, say a prayer every night, hoping that, that uh, the Chelsea would pay a 40 million euro, uh, euro fee to bring him over there to reunite with Saturday. And that never, that never came through. I, I kind of felt like we were stuck with Matias Vecino, despite what he did against Lazio last year. But, you know, because to me, he, he disappears too much on the pitch. I mean, maybe you guys feel the same way, but, you know, when he's starting, sometimes you feel like you can go through a 90-minute match and almost forget that Matias Vecino is out there, but then every now and then he can give you a goal like that. And, and it certainly does up, up your value for a squad. I mean, Ikadidi was pretty quiet yesterday before he, uh, he scored one of the nicest goals we've seen all season in, in any competition. So uh, I think to me, Matias Vecino, it's not to say that he, he's a shit player and he's worthless. He's obviously not. But I don't know if he will ever get above that cult hero status for me. Maybe he has a couple more big goals to come. But the thing is, like, the guy, every time he scores, it's it's so important. It's I mean, the equalizer against Roma last season, the winning goal against uh, Lazio, uh, yesterday again against, um, against Spurs, it's like he always scores these important, like defining goals. Um, I don't know, Mo. What's your opinion? Cult hero or the beginning of something great? Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. Uh, cult hero, cult hero. But what a cult hero! You know, he's. Uh, yeah, you alluded to Nima. He's only scored important goals. Um, I don't think he's got he's got the the attributes to become a, an important player consistently week in week out in a larger project over the years. But uh, I most certainly am very thankful for him for his contributions so far. And like Alex said, you know, had he been sold this summer, I would have you know thanked the gods of the transfer market. And if he goes away in January or next summer, I I, I will say. Thank you, and, and, and wave him goodbye. But uh, but yeah, I don't think he's he's got in such a critical position for 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 the midfield. I don't think he's got what it takes to have uh, a long term uh, position in the project. 
thing is, though, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, I, I look at it a little bit differently because I remember him with Fiorentina and also last season. Um, for me, he's, I don't know if you guys remember, but to me, there's something about him that reminds me of when Dejan Stankovic first came to Inter. He's, he's got that kind of tenacity. He's got a good shot. He runs until he can't move anymore. Um, I don't know. I, without any other, comp- you know, comparisons between the two, I don't. I, I don't want to call blasphemy right here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, no other, no other comparisons. I mean, between Drago, the two. Il Drago, or Vecino. I mean, like Vecino. Like again, we are we are going to be forever grateful for Vecino's goal against Lazio. And yes, his goal is definitely can definitely be one of the more important goals in this particular project's trajectory and story. So. I'm not, I'm not putting him down in any way or, or, or putting down his contributions. But to compare him with Stankovic... And, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't mean like that. I mean, I compare him... I, what I say is that he reminds me of... Like I, I understand. It's like the way... I remember when Stankovic first came to into January, during the January window. And for a couple of years there, he really, really struggled. And when Mourinho came came to uh, Inter, he, uh, he, he, he was talking about selling Stankovic. Uh, I'm saying that, you know, the, what saved Stankovic at Inter through those difficult times was the fact that he scored important goals in the derby uh, and, 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 and against Juventus. So that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the comparison I'm making. Not, nothing technical or tactical at all. They're completely different players. Um, no, no, I, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't mean like that. Uh, maybe I... I don't, know, I don't know if Vecino has anything else to offer but those important goals. You know what I mean? Mm, like, like clearly, Brozovic, he's next to Gagliardini. Yeah. Uh, clearly, the, the defense is more secure when, 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 you know, when Gagliardini is ahead of them. So, I don't know. I think that's a really good point. That's something I wanted to raise as well. Because, in my opinion, Gagliardini yesterday showed how important... Gagliardini's positioning is to this Inter because Vecino doesn't know what position he is. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty clear. He, he should play further up the pitch. I don't want to see Gagliardini, uh, I don't want to see Vecino in the double pivot with Brozovic again when we play Barcelona, for example, because we will get destroyed. I mean, Barca's midfield and Bar- Barca's short pass system and their triangular tiki-taka will just run, run circles around Inter. But uh, I, I, I don't want to see that, but but I, I think playing Vecino in a, in a slightly slightly a little bit further up the pitch, with maybe uh, with, with in the Serie A, obviously having Gagliardini next to Brozovic, that's the way to go, uh, because Gagliardini he was he was missing yesterday. His his positioning is so important for Inter, and that frees up Brozovic to do so much more, um, which, which I think. Yesterday we could have used uh, we, we could have used that against Tottenham, um, but we got to talk about Icardi as well before we move on. And I, I had a thought. I mean, there's no doubt that the goal he scored yesterday uh, was is the most beautiful goal he scored since since in an Inter shirt. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but for me, it's 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 one thing else. Is a couple of things now that he's been doing for a couple of seasons. When he moves outside of the penalty area, when he shoots from outside the penalty area, when he crosses from outside the penalty area, I think that's when people actually see that this guy knows how to play, knows how to play. I think he's doing himself a little bit of a disservice by just being that number nine in the strike, in the box and not moving outside because a lot of people criticize him. 
I don't know, you know, quite some people could say justly, some say it's over-exaggerated, whatever. But I, I just saw, like yesterday, I think, his goal, and built on what we've seen these past few seasons, I want to see more of Icardi outside the box and shoot from outside the box as well. What, what is your thoughts on that, uh, Alex? You know, I, I agree, and I think that that's something that is more attainable this season with a much uh, a much more uh, built-up attack than what we had last year. I mean, when you were talking about last year, the only options of Ikadi to be on the pitch was, you know, with Perisic, but it's outside from that, you're talking about Kandreva, you're talking about Eder, and really not much else. We're yet to even see Lautaro Martinez really come on and make an impact this year because he's been injured. I think the opportunities for Ikadi to play more outside the box and be more creative are there. I mean, you saw it. I think it was in the, the Torino game when he had a beautiful assist to Perisic, the type of pass that people may forget that he can actually do things outside of the box. And so, and also for him to get, you know, goals from other places on the pitch and not just have to rely on service and not just have to rely on crosses, which have been inconsistent, uh, I think is important for him. Uh, and that goal yesterday uh, I, I'm not only thinking about how big that was to help beat Spurs in Champions League, but I'm also thinking of how important that goal is to, to him really coming on and gaining confidence for this season and for the entire team now, hoping that they can use yesterday's result as a spark plug to actually start performing better in Serie A. That's a really that's a good point. Uh, what do you think, Mo? Uh, do you think this is a do you think this is a turning point? Like has the season turned around now? Is this a starting point? <laughs> Difficult to judge. Look, I, when, when Spanetti uh, gave his uh, pre-match interview and he said that this could be a potential turning for the season, I thought, I thought it was very strange for him to add so much pressure on a match that was already, you know, loaded with pressure. But thankfully we move on. So, you, you know me, in Spalletti I trust. And if he thinks, if he reckons that this match could have been, uh, uh, the turning point or the spark, like you guys said, that we needed to turn the season around, and it couldn't, could it like no one could have scripted this better, you know. The team played acceptably well in the first half, mediocrely in the second half, but then you know dug dug deep as we did against Lazio and Olimpico at the end of the season, and got the got the three points. So if there ever is going to be a turning point or like a watershed match, then this is it. And if Spalletti reckons that this could be the match, then there's no better match for it, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't believe in, in singular moments as such, but it certainly is going to help the case of Inter moving forward properly in, a, in, a, in, a, in the manner that they, they should be in the Serie A and in the Champions. That's that's fair enough, but we can't forget about the Champions League and Inter. And sorry, we can't forget about the the Serie A because um, the match against Parma, which I thought we'd go into and discuss now, um, that Inter's form in, in the Serie A has been pretty dismal, and the win against Bologna was pretty sluggish. The first half against Torino was brilliant, brilliant, but was followed up by a horrible second half. And then we have the Parma game where Inter dominated, but didn't really create that, created a lot of chances, had 28 shots, eight on target, but didn't really create those clear-cut chances. 
And then, obviously, Inter being Inter, a player that they've loaned out to Parma, a player they believe in, according to Parma Sporting Director Federico Di Marco, scores the goal of the season at the San Siro. Um, I mean, that was... What was that? Um, before we go into the game uh, uh, to, uh, to in detail, I wanted to ask you, Mo, because you were alluding to it earlier, that you blame Handanovic for that goal. I want, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Um, no, I don't blame Handanovic for that goal. I'm saying that that goal is more uh, demonstrative of his particular flaw that I allude to always rather than the, uh, rather than the goal against Tottenham. Like, I don't blame Okay, so, so how, how do you mean? How do you cross- mean? Yeah, so, so like I've always said, like, it's the cross ball that is that the ball that comes across Handanovic, usually at, at ground level, that leaves him flat-footed. And in that particular instance, you know, it was a cross ball. Di Marco shot from the left onto Handanovic. Handanovic is left, so onto the right side. Walking across Handanovic, of course, we know that, you know, we now know that he had been up, up, his view had been obstructed. He's done that many times where the ball comes across him and he just stands there flat-footed thinking that maybe, like, a misjudgment of where the ball is going to go above the post, beyond the post, beyond the bar, above the bar, beyond the post, whatever, and the ball just goes into goal. And that's the goal that, that pisses me off about Handanovic. So Di Marco's shot was fantastic, a phenomenal shot. It reached right in the top corner. It's fine. But the fact that Handanovic stood there flat-footed and watched the ball sail through is what I normally blame him for in that particular kind of shot, if you know what I mean, if yeah. I want to articulate myself well. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I got you. Uh, Alex, uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the Parma game. Well, uh, to me, it was uh, frustrating because, you know, Icardi sat in the first half, and then, you know, Keita Balde, I think he's going to have an impactful year, but he's not looking comfortable as a striker yet. Uh, so it's really a pity that Icardi's fitness is not there yet and that Lataro is still injured at this point because – you had good service, I thought, from crosses in that first half. You had opportunities that Keita could not finish. And then in the second half, Icardi comes on. And, you know, part of his issue is that he just is not there and certainly was not there on Saturday fitness-wise. But he also wasn't getting the sort of service that Keita was getting in the first half. And maybe if he had had some of the same crosses that were going into Keita in the first half, Icardi could have finished some of those. But the opportunities were not there. And so... I mean, to me, you talked about the the possession, which was, uh, I think, 72% in Inter's favor in that game. Just not enough teeth in the attack. Uh, you know, obviously, Padma had 11 players behind the ball, so it was very difficult to break down the defense. But, you know, overall, not enough creativity. The, the opportunities you did create, the quality and finishing was not there. So it, it's a little bit alarming to me now that we've seen it play out over multiple games that, that Inter clearly have uh, – have a sound uh, defense. They clearly have uh, an ability to keep possession, but they have not had an ability to capitalize on their chances. So you would like to see, I think at some point, you know, football is a game that is streaky. It goes in phases. You're going to have a few games where they, they cannot stop finding the net. But at this point, they're having trouble finding the net. And, and again, I think it goes back to what we were talking about, the feelings we had when Tottenham scored the opening goal uh, in Champions League. Once Potama scored uh, on what was just a, a ridiculous, uh, beautiful goal from DiMarco that you're, 
you know, oh, no, here it goes. Inter, of course, found a way to not capitalize, and they concede a goal, and then this is how it's going to be a 1-0 loss, and it turned out that way. So it was definitely a frustrating way to finish the weekend. And then you have the overreactions on social media. You have oh. some Spalletti out people emerging. Uh, you know, you all, all of a sudden, the same analysts who were calling into the anti-Juve are now wondering if they're even a Champions League squad. I think people do need to take a deep breath and, and realize that, you know, the, the injury bug and the lack of fitness is a problem for this team. A lot of new pieces. We cannot judge them four games into a Serie A campaign. So my, my head was certainly spinning coming out of that Padma game. Thank you, Alex. You just you just hit the hammer on the ne- on the head. Then the hammer on the ne- like you really got a bullseye with that because I was I, when I saw this Spalletti out nonsense, I, I couldn't believe my eyeballs because it was like um, there, you cannot. Okay, you can criticize Spalletti for not starting with Mauro Icardi, and exactly like you said, I tweeted out during the game, I wish that Icardi would have started the game because the amount of crosses and the quality of the crosses that were being fed into it, Icardi would have finished one or two of those. And Baldeceta is not a natural number nine, and he shouldn't play there. Uh, and, and then, you know, if you wanted to rest Icardi, you bring him up in the second half when you're one or two goals up, and you play Keita, and then you can relax. Sure, that, those are those are you know that's different opinions. You can choose to go different way, but to, to, but from that point to Spalletti out, I mean I don't know what the hell people are smoking. Uh, you know I, I you want to sack the coach for I mean if they're serious, I can understand if you say that when you're angry because you know when you're angry you're not thinking clearly. But if you mean if you mean when you if you mean it. By, if you're saying that when you're like calm and you mean what you say and you want to actually sack the coach four games into the season, well, I mean, what can I tell you? Then, then if that's, if that's the inter fan base, then this fan base deserves to finish in sixth, seventh, eighth place every year for the next hundred years because that's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. Um, but other than that, I, I, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. Uh, I, I, I personally think that the Panama game was just one of those glitches. Di Marco has never even scored a goal, let alone a screamer like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, 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 it's just one of those days that you can't, you, you, as you, you know, the bigger problem is exactly as you alluded to, both in the previous, uh, in, in, in the previous uh, segment about Tottenham. And that's the fact that this, the midfield is yet to click yet. Inter are yet to, to click in terms of going forward. And people are not finding, you know, they haven't gelled yet. They haven't find, found how to play, uh, play off of each other and find each other in the ideal solution uh, in the ideal positions to, to get scoring. But I think that's just a matter of time, time before that, that clicks all together. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, uh, I, I wanted to let you have the final word on the Panama game, Mo. Yeah, I, I think, uh, it, you know, it's, it's difficult to say, you know, post-hack, but I think it was probably our best performance bar the Torino first half. Uh, we, we played well, we uh, created chances, and like you guys have both said, it was just a matter of not finding the final touch. So it's it's uh, the Parma game is, is the Parma game. You know, it is what it is. It's shit luck. It's... It's happened. It's beyond us. It's moved. Like let's let's move the fuck on. Uh, if I in the first half, if VR was used in a manner that is not ridiculous, 
Mm. If, 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 if. There's like a hundred and a hundred different ifs that can uh, lead to a different uh, result. But the result is what it is. And, you know, uh, you learn and you move on. And I think that's the best thing I can say about this uh, game. Let's put it behind us and not talk about it anymore and move on, you know. I, I think we got it. Just just the refereeing thing. We're going to get to the VAR thing later on in, 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 the, in another segment. I'm sure the, the faithful listeners of this show will will have gathered by now which segment of that show that will, of this show this the VAR will be under. But I mean, how the hell? The, 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 what is the VAR referee doing Wait, if he's not? Yeah, if, may I guess? Will it be the Marathi of the week? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, that's the, the clearest penalty I think I've seen all year. And if the VAR is not, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to stand on the side of Nikki, who, who, who's, who, who's the referee, head of the referees association in Italy, who says that the referees, his, his point was that the referees, you know, nothing has changed. Uh, the referees are just not using the VAR properly. Although I think that's a, that's complete, that's that's demonstrably not true because the International Federation of Referees has changed the definition of VAR and instructed everyone to use the new definition, and that's why things are going. But I mean, the, how how Rocky, how they, I mean, he Rocky, who's a, you know speaking of Inter refer, referees and Inter, this guy has screwed Inter over so hard, so bad for so many years. And that he's the VAR expert, and he doesn't give a penalty for Inter after the ball hits Di Marco's hand like that. It's just, it's just mind-boggling for me. You know, it's just mind-boggling. You know, when, I, uh, when I wrote uh, the preview, and we get to the referees part, and uh, VR, VR uh, assistants or VR, <coughs> VR officials, and it's uh, Rocky, I'm like, shit, that, that can't be good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And, and, also, and let me add the irony with uh, that should have been a penalty and, and a possible ejection for Di Marco, who goes on to score the goal. Yeah. He shouldn't have even been yeah. on the pitch at that point. I mean, you already brought up the irony of Di Marco being an interplayer on loan to Padma. <laughs> so, of course, of course, he's the one to score the game winner. But he shouldn't have even been on the pitch at that time, which only adds to the irony. Exactly. Right. Um, on uh, Sunday, uh, actually on Saturday uh, evening, uh, Central European time, Inter play a Sampdoria, who are um, who are one of who've been one of the greatest uh, uh, positive uh, positive uh, surprises of the season in the Serie A, with a Quagliarella that scores Quagliarella goals, back healing on volleys, and generally are looking really really good. And uh, another. Favorite player of mine who used to be owned by Inter, Gianluca Caprari, who was traded, as everyone knows, as part of the Skriniar deal. He scored again tonight against Fiorentina. This is going to be a really difficult game. Um, and the, the way Inter have been playing in the Serie A, is it, is it, is it, is it reasonable to ask, uh, to demand that Inter wins this match against Sampdoria, or are you happy with the draw, Alex? Well, I'm never happy with a draw, uh, and I know I know that Atsu, away at Sampdoria is uh, one of the toughest uh, away spots in Italy. To be quite honest, they're excellent at home. I, I think maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid a little bit, but one of the reasons why I'm expecting a victory not not a blowout, not an avalanche, maybe a two-one victory would be Icardi plays so well in that stadium. He, he did have he did have four goals there the last time Inter visited, so. Maybe I'm thinking a game winner by motto is going to be the difference. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be fun. 
I don't think we're going to come away from that match saying it was Inter's best performance. But uh, I don't know. So, something to me, I might be riding high, guys, off of the uh, the Champions League feeling and getting that last-minute win over Tottenham. But I feel good about Inter this Saturday when maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> Mo, uh, what about you? Yeah, sentiments exactly shared with Alex. I think uh, all signs point towards, uh, you know, I, I, I'm confident. I'm confident. I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna go there. We're gonna put it on them the same way we did uh, at the end of last season with Rafinha and uh, Icardi, and this time uh, our Rafinha is going to be uh, Angolan. So uh, no, I, I, I'm I'm quite positive. You know, if if we trust if we trust in Spalletti, and Spalletti says that. The Tottenham match is a turning point, then, you know, why should we not expect uh, or accept anything but a win away? I don't know. We're Inter. I agree. I agree. And I think uh, the thing is, though, that I think a good thing about Sampdoria is that Sampdoria, um, they will they will want to attack because they're in, in, a, in a great run of form and they... Um, they will, they will take the game to Inter, I think. Um, this is, this is not a, this isn't Parma or Sassuolo we're playing. We're playing a team that knows how to attack, that has a lot of attacking t- talent, that has a lot of talent, period, in it. And they won't sit, you know, they won't be content by just sitting back and defending. So I think this will be an, a pretty open game. And Gianpaolo, as we know, he's, the, he's, he's a brilliant coach. Uh, he will try to he will try to beat Inter uh, because he's an Interista and he's always dreamt of coaching Inter. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I I'm with Alex on this one. I, I but I, I think a two-one draw, a two-one win for Inter. Icardi scores two, Caprari scores one. Um, what about you? What about you, Mo? Prediction scoreline? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I'll uh, I can, like your two ones. I, I take I take your two ones. I think uh, I I can even see it being maybe a clean sheet, uh, but. Uh, I think at least two goals for Inter and uh, maybe one back by Quagliarella uh, or Caprari, maybe not, but uh, definitely two goals for Inter. Fair enough. Uh, what about you, uh, Alex? What, what did you say, 2-0 or 1-0? Yeah, I'm going to say 2-1, and I, I think it's going to be probably around the 80th minute that he caught it, and that's the game winner for Inter. So I think it's going to, it's going to make us sweat, it's going to make our blood pressure rise, but it's all going to turn out okay. Fair enough. Um Right, so um, let's move on to uh, the part of the show where we pay tribute uh, as well as rip the piss out of something or someone in the world of football, starting with uh, with our our birthday boy, this week's frog, presented by Mr. Alex Donno. You know, this week's frog, a little bit localized, but... Anyone who was watching the coverage in North America of Champions League yesterday, I'm sure can relate to this. If you were an Interisti watching this and you saw the way that the, the pregame show on Turner Sports was breaking things down. Now, unfortunately, Inter is not a brand uh, with, the, with the recognition in North America that I believe it deserves, given the success of this franchise. But they spent a lot of time talking about Tottenham. They even have a a Tottenham span, a fan and Steve Nash, a former NBA player on the, panner, on the panel who was going crazy for them. They spent a lot of time, of course, on Barcelona, who also uh, played yesterday and beat PSV. They even had a video uh, tribute for PSV. And then I, I barely heard them even mention Inter by name, guys. I think the one piece of analysis I heard was uh, basically looking at Tottenham's chances of winning, saying, well, 
you know they're going up against a tough defense because Italian teams also play tough defense. And that's where it started and where it ended. So my blood was boiling when I was watching the pregame coverage. And then to add to that, in North America, the only way to watch that game on live television on basic cable was to watch it in Spanish. So I had to watch it in a, uh, in a language that was not my first or my second language. So hopefully after that victory over Spurs, the North American uh, TV media will start to give a little bit more love for Inter. But as for right now, it is nowhere near there. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to something a little bit more positive. This week's Moratti with Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Oh, my God. He is beautiful. He is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, my Moratti for this week is uh, Inter, Pazza Inter, everything about this club, every every small thing, the the San Siro that was full and uh, full of uh, the, the the amazing Tifo and the Curva, the even the silly Astrid on uh, Instagram, their <laughs> Instagram stories, everything about this this week, the fact that. You know, the, the, the club has been able to finally compartmentalize, you know, the Parma loss was behind us and everyone was absolutely positive and like this heaving with passion for the Champions League uh, match, uh, like the, the, the whole thing. The, the reason why, like, like Alex alluded to, through the good, through the bad, the reason why we've been fans for this club for such a long time is something is that, at least for me, there's something more about this club. Than, than just football, and and it's days like these that that just you know that you understand why you've suffered through the Mazzari years, you've suffered through the uh, all these crazy crazy years, and and you know it's good to be back. It's good. Uh, Champions I, League, it's an amazing got to win. I remember on the show last season when we lost against Juventus, when Fulvio said that this was the first uh, that, that home defeat against Juventus three two, when Icardi cried. I remember Fulvio Santucci, one of our other panelists, he said that this was the first time in a long while that Inter played like Inter, despite the loss. And I, and I, and I agree with that. This was a game where Inter was Inter. Uh, this time, Inter won. This was a game where it was Pazza Inter through and through. You know, uh, Icardi scoring the volley of the season, and then the way Vecino of all people, it, it was Pazza Inter. It was, it was typical crazy Inter. So, so I agree. Great Moratti. Right, let's move on to something slightly more negative. This week's Moji, which I'll be presenting myself. Um, this week's Moji is uh, the VAR and the way the VAR has been handled and mistreated by uh, the, the Serie A officials. It's, it's unbelievable how, this, how these referees... It, it's as if they're like children that have to be watched over like hawks by an adults, by adults all the time. If you give them the slightest leeway to do, to, gi to give them any interpretation, they immediately, or give them any freedom under responsibility, they immediately start messing things up and, you know, and, just, and, and ruining the league. And that's what we've seen with the VAR. The VAR is basically useless at this point. It doesn't give any, any, um, it, it doesn't create any justice or anything. It's just, all it does is it's up to the discretion of the referee. And the reason why the VAR was introduced was to remove the discretion of the referees in these, in these cases. So, in these clear cut cases and to make it a, a Serie A that is even and balanced. 
and based on 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 the competence of the players and not the incompetence of the referees. But basically, that's not this. That's not going to happen this season. The VAR is basically out the window. So take from that what you will. There is no way Inter will finish higher than than third, if you ask me. Based on that, uh, and if you know anything about Italian football politics, you can put one and one together. Um, so yeah, for me, it's it's the VAR, uh, the, the way the VAR has been treated and the way the VAR is being used this season, and we saw that against Parma. Right uh, before we go, I'd like to thank our wish Alex a happy birthday, and uh, it was great to have you on, and hope to have you on more t- more uh, more often. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you both. And again, the, the best birthday present I could have asked for was an Inter-Champions League victory. So I am still on cloud nine. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you and happy birthday. And uh, we'll be back next week. So until next week, I'm, I'm your host, Nima Tavali Ruzzari, wishing you a happy weekend. Uh, and sempre e solo, forza Inter. <laughs>